Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Inside Sources. Great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News, and much more to cover on the extended edition of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. We've been talking about last night's Democratic debate, and one of the things that was uh, also interesting to me was how much time the Democrats committed uh, to talking about President Trump. And obviously, uh, each of them are trying to make the case that they are best positioned to take on President Trump in the general election in 2020. And so there was a a great deal of time spent going back and forth about that, what that means, what that is. Uh, Joe Biden, of course, making the case that he's the he's the guy who can take on the president and that the president is worried about taking him on, uh, which, of course, led to the impeachment proceeding conversation, (laughs) which was a, a big part of the night as uh, the different Democratic uh, candidates tried to make the case as to why the president should be impeached or shouldn't be impeached or uh, what the House should do, what the Senate should do, what the American people need to do as it relates to the impeachment proceedings. We'll we'll come back to that in just a second. Uh, But I want to wrap up our conversation about the uh, Democratic debate by, again, looking at this from strictly a strategic standpoint in terms of communication and politics. Uh, I think if you are a Democratic strategist, and and those of uh, my colleagues and peers uh, that I've talked to back in D.C. on the Democratic side of the aisle, uh, they're they're getting increasingly nervous about how long the impeachment proceedings are going to last. Uh, Initially, you had Nancy Pelosi saying that this is going to be short work. We're going to do it quick. We'll get it done and take a vote on uh, articles of impeachment before Christmas and then toss it on over to the Senate and see what happens there. Uh, she be, she seems to be less convinced of that uh, in the, the last couple of days, where she says, well, I'm not sure we'll be able to wrap it up. I'm not sure when we'll take a vote. Uh, I'm sure that she would love to get it voted on and, and out of the House and off of their plate, because here's the, here's the worry for the Democratic strategists. If Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff, Representative, uh, if they become the face and the voice of the Democratic Party, if they are more recognized than whoever the nominee becomes out of the current list of candidates for the Democrats, uh, that makes a very tough 2020 because the oxygen is clearly out of the room. And you could sense that. You could see that last night on the Democratic debate from Atlanta that people were just there just wasn't a lot of oxygen in the room, so they're just talking about President Trump. They're talking about impeachment proceedings and quid pro quo made its uh, regular appearance there. You Bribery, which is the new strategy for the Democrats to keep pushing uh, in terms of messaging. Again, just messaging. I don't care what you 
believe in terms of what the president did or didn't do, what the House should or shouldn't do. Uh, just, again, think strategically for a minute here. What's happening? Because they're all trying to shake public opinion. That's the real test and what they're trying to accomplish. So, again, I, I thought it was an inordinate amount of time for the Democrats to spend talking about President Trump. And, uh, I don't. again, I don't think it hurt the president or the White House or the administration. And I, I think it was a distraction to Democratic voters who were trying to figure out who's the best candidate to go to a general election in 2020. And if you're a Democrat, that's what you want. You want to have the strongest candidate with the best strategy and the best vision and agenda for the country and being able to articulate that. I don't think anyone did a, a really super job last night in articulating that kind of vision. Uh, you've heard me say many times on this program that uh, that what you really have to do in these kinds of settings is, yes, you, you have to make the case of what you're against, but you rapidly have to pivot into what are you for. Uh, we often refer to this as the Boston to Philadelphia principle, uh, that the original colonists, the, the Boston battle, uh, was their chance to really say, hey, this is what we're against. We're, we're tired of being overtaxed, overregulated, and having a big federal government that's far, far away and doesn't respond to our interests and our needs and complaints. And the important thing to remember is that while you always have to be ready for Boston moments, and you do have to be ready as a candidate or as a, a political leader to stand up, to speak out, to stand alone when necessary, and you have to fight against some things. But the real victories come, and the real leadership is exerted when you make the case of what you are for, and that's the Philadelphia moment. Because if you look at Boston, again, in the context of the, the early colonies, the Boston Tea Party was really just that. It, it was just a protest against the kind of government the, the people didn't want. But had they stopped there, what we celebrate as the Boston Tea Party uh, wouldn't even be a footnote in history. It'd just be one more angry mob yelling at a big government. And those don't go anywhere. But they didn't. They marched it forward. They went from Boston, where they protested against the kind of government they didn't want, to Philadelphia in 1787, where they put down in the Constitution, this is the kind of government we do want. This is what we're for. Here's our forward agenda. agenda. And that's the whole key. So, yes, be ready for the Boston battles, but you got to have a Philadelphia vision if you're going to be successful. Again, it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat, if you're a Republican, if you're a Libertarian, if you're a uh, Utah United Party or anything in between, you've got to have a vision of what you are for because that's ultimately what the American people want. They want to be led. They want to have a vision. They want to know what you're for. They know what you're against. And I think uh, many people are getting tired that the Democrats are spending a lot of time just hammering on President Trump over and over and over again. The American people and Democratic primary voters, again, that's the audience, they know what you're against. So you better be getting and talking about what you are for. And I would give that same strategic counsel uh, to the occupant of the White House, President Trump. Tell the American people what you're for. Don't get bogged down in that you're against these different things, that you're just against these, uh, these Democrats and against impeachment proceedings and all of those things. Tell the American people what you are for. Uh, learn the lesson of Bill Clinton. In his impeachment proceedings, he focused on his forward-moving, northbound train American agenda. And the American people said, okay, 
we can we can get on board with that. We can do that, and uh, things shifted. And, and so that's going to be the the test moving forward. Again, the administration has got to get to an agenda uh, if they're really going to really going to move things forward in a significant way. And the Democrats have got to figure out what is their vision of what they are for, not what they are against. We know it. We get it. We got it. Uh, it's time to figure out what you are for and then make that case to the American people. And uh, we'll talk about this more next week when we get uh, just before the uh, Thanksgiving holiday, <laughs> because we're going to help you next week. Uh, we're going to guide you through how you have a conversation around the dinner, dinner table uh, as it relates to uh, to politics and the uh, country, where we are and, and where we go next. So make sure you're uh, with us early on next week. We'll have that conf- uh, conversation right here on KSL News Radio on Inside Sources. Uh, let's go ahead and step aside for our bottom of the hour news break. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Thanks for being with us on KSL News Radio and Inside Sources. We'll be right back. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to Inside Sources. Great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News, and much more to cover on the extended edition of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. We've been talking about last night's Democratic debate, and one of the things that was uh, also interesting to me was how much time the Democrats committed uh, to talking about President Trump. And obviously, uh, each of them are trying to make the case that they are best positioned to take on President Trump in the general election in 2020. And so there was a, a great deal of time spent going back and forth about that, what that means, what that is. Uh, Joe Biden, of course, making the case that he's the he's the guy who can take on the president and that the president is worried about taking him on, uh, which, of course, led to the impeachment proceeding conversation, <laughs> which was a, a big part of the night as uh, the different Democratic uh, candidates tried to make the case as to why the president should be impeached or shouldn't be impeached or uh, what the House should do, what the Senate should do, what the American people need to do as it relates to the impeachment proceedings. We'll, we'll come back to that in just a second. Uh, but I want to wrap, wrap up our conversation about the uh, Democratic debate by, again, looking at this from strictly a strategic standpoint in terms of communication and politics. Uh, I think if you are a Democratic strategist, and, and those of uh, my colleagues and peers uh, that I've talked to back in D.C. on the Democratic side of the aisle, uh, they're they're getting increasingly nervous about how long the impeachment proceedings are going to last. Uh, initially, you had Nancy Pelosi saying that this is going to be short work. We're going to do it quick. We'll get it done and take a vote on uh, articles of impeachment before Christmas. 
and then toss it on over to the Senate and see what happens there. Uh, she be she seems to be less convinced of that uh, in the the last couple of days, where she says, "Well, I'm not sure we'll be able to wrap it up. I'm not sure when we'll take a vote." Uh, I'm sure that she would love to get it voted on and, and out of the house and off of their plate, because here's the here's the worry for the Democratic strategists: if Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff, representatives, uh, if they become the face and the voice of the Democratic Party. If they are more recognized than whoever the nominee becomes out of the current list of candidates for the Democrats, uh, that makes a very tough 2020 because the oxygen is clearly out of the room. And you could sense that. You could see that last night on the Democratic debate from Atlanta that people were just there just wasn't a lot of oxygen in the room. So they're just talking about President Trump. They're talking about impeachment proceedings and quid pro quo made its uh, regular appearance there. You Bribery, which is the new strategy for the Democrats to keep pushing uh, in terms of messaging. Again, just messaging. I don't care what you uh, believe in terms of what the president did or didn't do, what the House should or shouldn't do. Uh, just, again, think strategically for a minute here. What's happening? Because they're all trying to shake public opinion. That's the real test and what they're trying to accomplish. So, again, I, I thought it was an inordinate amount of time for the Democrats to spend talking about President Trump. And, uh, I don't, again, I don't think it hurt the president or the White House or the administration. And I, I think it was a distraction to Democratic voters who were trying to figure out who's the best candidate to go to a general election in 2020. And if you're a Democrat, that's what you want. You want to have the strongest candidate with the best strategy and the best vision and agenda for the country and being able to articulate that. I don't think anyone did a, a really super job last night in articulating that kind of vision. Uh, you've heard me say many times on this program that, uh, that what you really have to do in these kinds of settings is, yes, you, you have to make the case of what you're against, but you rapidly have to pivot into what are you for. Uh, we often refer to this as the Boston to Philadelphia principle, uh, that the original colonists, the, the Boston battle, uh, was their chance to really say, hey, this is what we're against. We're, we're tired of being overtaxed, overregulated, and having a big federal government that's far, far away and doesn't respond to our interests and our needs and complaints. And the important thing to remember is that while you always have to be ready for Boston moments, and you do have to be ready as a candidate or as a, a political leader to stand up, to speak out, to stand alone when necessary, and you have to fight against some things. But the real victories come, and the real leadership is exerted when you make the case of what you are for, and that's the Philadelphia moment. Because if you look at Boston, again, in the context of the, the early colonies, the Boston Tea Party was really just that. It was just a protest against the kind of government the, the people didn't want. But had they stopped there, what we celebrate as the Boston Tea Party uh, wouldn't even be a footnote in history. It'd just be one more angry mob yelling at a big government. And those don't go anywhere. But they didn't. They marched it forward. They went from Boston, where they protested against the kind of government they didn't want, to Philadelphia, in 1787, where they put down in the Constitution, this is the kind of government we do want. This is what we're for. Here's our forward agenda. agenda, And that's the whole key. So, yes, be ready for the Boston battles, but you got to have a Philadelphia vision if you're going to be successful. And again, it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat 
if you're a Republican, if you're a Libertarian, if you're a uh, Utah United Party or anything in between, you've got to have a vision of what you are for because that's ultimately what the American people want. They want to be led. They want to have a vision. They want to know what you're for. They know what you're against. And I think uh, many people are getting tired that the Democrats are spending a lot of time just hammering on President Trump over and over and over again. The American people and Democratic primary voters, again, that's the audience, they know what you're against. So you better be getting and talking about what you are for. And I would give that same strategic counsel uh, to the occupant of the White House, President Trump. Tell the American people what you're for. Don't get bogged down in that you're against these different things, that you're just against these, uh, these Democrats and against impeachment proceedings and all of those things. Tell the American people what you are for. Uh, learn the lesson of Bill Clinton. In his impeachment proceedings, he focused on his forward-moving, northbound train American agenda. And the American people said, okay, we can, we can get on board with that. We can do that. And uh, things shifted. And, and so that's going to be the, the test moving forward. Again, the administration has got to get to an agenda uh, if they're really going really to move things forward in a significant way. And the Democrats have got to figure out what is their vision of what they are for, not what they are against. We know it. We get it. We got it. Uh, it's time to figure out what you are for and then make that case to the American people. And uh, we'll talk about this more next week when we get uh, just before the uh, Thanksgiving holiday, <laughs> because we're going to help you next week. Uh, we're going to guide you through how you have a conversation around the dinner, dinner table uh, as it relates to uh, to politics and the uh, country, where we are and, and where we go next. So make sure you're uh, with us early on next week. We'll have that conf uh, conversation right here on KSL News Radio on Inside Sources. Uh, let's go ahead and step aside for our bottom of the hour news break. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Thanks for being with us on KSL News Radio and Inside Sources. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Inside Sources. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. Great to be with you here on KSL News Radio. Hope you're having a fantastic day. As always, if you have a great thought, an inspiring idea, shoot us a text on the Utah Community Credit Union text line, 57500. Always want to have you weigh in. I want to do something a little different uh, here in this segment today uh, because it was uh, on November the 19th, uh, many, many years ago, that Abraham Lincoln delivered the famous Gettysburg Address. And I, I think it's one of those speeches that is obviously iconic in American history. And, and it's one that I'm going to use to lead into our conversation during the final segment of the show today, coming up uh, here at about 10 minutes to noon. We'll uh, go into an area that I think is so important. Uh, the, the topic for our final segment today is going to be the difference between driving wedges and building bridges. Uh, and the fact is this, anybody, anybody can drive a wedge. Only a real leader can build a bridge. And we're going to talk about that. But one of the great bridge-building speeches of all time uh, is the Gettysburg Address. Only 272 words, approximately. There's five different versions of the speech that were actually out there. Uh, but in a week when we celebrate the anniversary of, the, of that speech being delivered, uh, there on the battlefield in Gettysburg, uh, again, whether it's 271 words, 272 words, uh, the words are, are really significant. And so I, I am going to go straight through first, and then we'll break it down just a little bit in terms of what it meant then and what it means to us today and what it should mean to us and to our children 
for the future. So again, the uh, the Gettysburg Address, 156 years ago, uh, on uh, November the 19th, uh, Abraham Lincoln delivering this message to the country. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We are met on a great battlefield of that war. We have come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who here gave their lives that that nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. But in a large sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hallow this ground. The brave men, living and dead, who struggled here have consecrated it far above our poor power to add or detract. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. It is for us, the living rather, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us, that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion, that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. Pretty simple. Didn't even take half a segment of radio. Uh, and yet this is one of the great bridge-building speeches ever to be delivered here in the United States of America. And I want to break that down just a, a little bit here as we uh, go through this segment of the program. If you're just joining us, we're going to break down in the final segment of the program today the difference between those who drive wedges and those who build bridges. And whether that's in the political space, whether it's in our nation's capital, whether it's in business, whether it's in our communities, whether it's in our families, there's a difference between driving a wedge and building a bridge. And it's important for us to understand that. And I think from the Gettysburg Address, we see that in such a significant way in terms of what we can focus on, what we should be focused on. So as we, we look at that, uh, there's so many great lines in there uh, that are about the future. And, you know, we often, we often re resort to, to Lincoln when we talk about those who gave the last full measure of devotion, those who have died in, in service to our country. And it's important that we, we don't get casual about that uh, because it is about commitment. And it's about what we're not willing to say, but what we're actually willing to do. Uh, are we really doing the, the hard work and heavy lifting? Are we really taking time every day to make a difference for a neighbor in need or serving in our community or making a difference for someone who's struggling? And uh, to me, that's the test. You know, can you actually move it forward? And uh, again, I, I think one of the things that we often forget about in this great speech from Abraham Lincoln is that he really looked forward in this thing. Uh, it wasn't necessarily so much a look back about those who had given that last full measure of devotion. Uh, Lincoln knew they'd already passed their test. It was about us, the living. It's about us today. 
And so that's kind of the, the final question that, that Lincoln really asked in the Gettysburg Address, in that final section, uh, to not only remember those who gave all, but to lift our gaze, to look our eye towards the great task and test that's ahead of us as a nation. And Lincoln implores all of us, again, not those that were there that day, but those of us who are here today, to be highly resolved in our commitment to the future of freedom. Uh, so let's just go back through that last little bit. Uh, his final call, again, he honors those who gave that last full measure, and then he immediately pivots. Listen to what he said. He said, it's for us, the living, rather to be dedicated here to the unfinished work for which they fought here uh, and that they gave so you know nobly to advance. So it's for us, the living. Then he says, it is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us. And then he said that from these honored dead, we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion. And then he finishes with that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain. So think about that. I mean, this is, this is all forward-facing, bridge-building kind of language. It is for us, the living. It is for us to be here dedicated, that we take increased devotion, that we here highly resolve. And I think that's the test. Will we be dedicated to the unfinished work and the task before us? Will we take increased devotion to the cause? Will we be highly resolved to a new birth of freedom in our time? Uh, those are the questions. Those are the tests. And so on this week when we celebrate the anniversary of Lincoln delivering that Gettysburg Address, uh, if you haven't read it recently, go read it. And I would encourage you to read it out loud. Read it to your kids. Read it to your spouse. Read it to a friend. Post it online. Uh, it's a conversation that needs to be had in our country today. And we're the ones who should have it. And we're the ones who should lead it. Stay with us. We're going to continue this conversation in our last segment today here on Inside Sources. We're going to talk about the difference between those who drive wedges and those who build bridges. Uh, it is a massive difference. Anybody can drive a wedge. Uh, we saw it in the Democratic debate last night. We see it in what's happening in these impeachment proceedings. And I want to talk about how do we get past just driving wedges and start building Bridges. Stay with us here on KSL News Radio. I'm Boyd Matheson, the opinion editor at the Deseret News. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the final segment of Inside Sources. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. It is great, as always, to be with you today. Uh, getting ready to head into the weekend here on a Thursday. And if you missed our last segment, we, we focused on the Gettysburg Address, of course, November 19th, uh, 156 years ago. Uh, Abraham Lincoln stepped onto the field, was not the primary speaker of the day, uh, and even noted <laughs> in uh, his speech that uh, the world will uh, little note nor long remember uh, what was said, uh, but he was wrong. That's probably the one thing Lincoln was really wrong about, and that was just how important those 272 words to the future of the country uh, so I, I want to play off of that now, and uh, as many of you know, I've been traveling this uh, this past week uh, throughout Southeast Asia. I've been in Vietnam and Cambodia, Singapore, and uh, recording today from Jakarta, Indonesia, which is just a, a fascinating place. 
and have had the opportunity to uh, to follow uh, President Russell M. Nelson of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints on his tour through here. He's had meetings with many government officials uh, talking about uh, humanitarian needs, uh, common values, uh, how you build better people, better families, better neighborhoods, and better countries, uh, and how that takes place. And uh, he's one who, who really understands that in a uni- unique way. Uh, there have been some uh, very interesting news uh, elements coming out of uh, many of these meetings in terms of the relationship between the church and, and the government officials and uh, what that uh, means for the future. And again, just the, the ability to do good and make a difference in the world. Uh, in Vietnam, there was a, a big focus on uh, the humanitarian needs, mobility needs uh, as it relates to wheelchairs. Uh, great initiative going on there. And uh, the temple plans were laid out. That was the news of yesterday, uh, reported on KSL and in the pages of the Deseret News. Uh, But I want to focus more on this leadership component uh, because I do think the way world religious leaders and world government and political leaders, world business leaders interact uh, is just fascinating. It's something I've studied and watched over the years. And uh, this week was really a, a master class Uh, in bridge building. We talked in the last segment uh, about, uh, again, Abraham Lincoln and his bridge building during a critical time for our country. And, you know, the thing that I've learned is that some people who are in positions of leadership are, they're just way more comfortable driving wedges (laughs) than they are building bridges. And here we are in this day of very divisive rhetoric. Uh, We've got ongoing culture, uh, culture of contempt, uh, which I think is one of the big problems in the country today. Uh, Driving wedges is big, big business. We talk about it often on this show, just how much money gets raised and spent uh, driving wedges in the pursuit of power and prominence and political position. Uh, On the other hand, bridge builders, uh, they do the hard stuff. Uh, They're much more comfortable uh, crafting these hard-to-build structures, these transcendent structures, um, often Bridges they'll never cross themselves that lead to better understanding, uh, things that will impact future generations and uh, create all kinds of, of opportunities. So just real quick on the on the wedge drivers, I, I just don't want to spend a whole lot of time on the wedge drivers because they drive me crazy. Uh, and for the most part, they're a waste of space. But the most important thing you need to know about wedges and the people who drive them is this. The tip of a wedge is always pointing down. (laughs) It's down. So it's going to drive down. And when it's struck with blunt force or frustration and often anger, uh, the wedge can be devastating, uh, intended or not. And we see that uh, over and over. We see it in businesses. We see it in families. We see it in communities. And when we see wedges that are being deployed online, delivered in the media, uh, th- it makes a devastating impact. It splinters the spirit of cooperation. It separates and segregates potential allies, uh, which just wastes so many opportunities. It splits communities and organizations. And there's just way too many out there who have figured out how to profit by driving wed- wedges. Again, whether it's politics, international business, uh, wedge driving, sadly, is becoming a real prerequisite for people in power. Uh, and that's the problem. Those are the, uh, those are the issues. And, and when you look at wedge drivers, uh, they, they go for this idea that we're just too divided. 
too divided to solve problems, to get things done. And what that really does is it makes us excuses for them and allows them to, to stay in power. Uh, but the important thing for us is what history teaches us. And we, we went through the Gettysburg Address. That is a bridge-building masterpiece uh, and so important uh, to all of us. Because the important thing about bridges, bridges take you forward, bridges take you onward, bridges take you upward, bridges take you to new places and spaces and enables travels, travelers to get over you know, tough waters, uh, big divides, dangerous ravines. Uh, bridges uh, take you to a lot of important things. Uh, so I think that while this week in Washington and at the Democratic debate, uh, Washington has been delivering a remedial lesson in wedge driving. Uh, and it's been such an interesting contrast because I've been traveling across Southeast Asia, uh, really witnessing a master class in bridge building. Uh, as I mentioned, President Russell M. Nelson of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints uh, along with Elder D. Todd Christofferson from the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles and others have been traveling uh, through Southeast Asia. And, you know, while President Nelson is often recognized as a world-renowned heart surgeon, uh, he may actually do his best work as a bridge builder. Uh, it's really fascinating to watch his ability to interact with these uh, different political business government leaders uh, and his ability to help people see that and to unite people around common causes, common principles, uh, and common vision. Uh, in fact, he said this. He said, the understanding of the, the brotherhood of man and the sisterhood of women can only take place as we understand the fatherhood of God. Uh, and, then, and then this great line. He said, this understanding inspires us with a passionate desire to build bridges of cooperation. Bridges of cooperation. And it, it's so amazing to, to watch how he does that. Uh, and he's done this throughout his career. He did it as a surgeon. He did it as he did a lot of work in uh, Eastern Europe uh, in his early days there and getting uh, the church recognized in, in those places. Um, but this is the thing that I think is interesting in terms of bridge building with President Nelson and President Lincoln is that they, they understand that and understood that people are poor not because they lack money, but because they lack connection to people and opportunity. So both of these bridge builders uh, understand that, that these connections to the physical and spiritual well-being, you know, Lincoln strove to spiritually heal the damage to the soul of the nation through his words and his leadership. Lincoln uh, worked physically to connect people and opportunity through roads and canals and bridges, uh, bringing people together. Uh, President Nelson has done that same thing throughout his career and, and during his time here in Southeast Asia this past week uh, to really make that kind of connection, uh, which is really significant. And so I would just remind everybody that anybody can drive a wedge. It takes a leader to build a bridge. You have to set your own ideas. You've got to be humble. You've got to be authentic. You have to have a vision for the future, just like we talked about earlier on in the program today. If you missed anything today, make sure you listen and pick up the podcast either on the KSL News Radio app or on KSL.com. Uh, plenty of opportunities to re-listen and refocus on uh, some of the topics we've covered here today. And that is going to do it. So the big challenge for today is uh, let's get rid of the wedges. Let's not be comfortable just driving wedge issues. 
uh, let's focus on building bridges because there are many bridges that can be built out there if we're just willing to engage and actually do it. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us on Inside Sources today here on KSL News Radio. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Great to be with you as always. And as you go out into the world today and as you roll into your Friday and through your weekend, make sure that every day you see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something that makes a difference.